Welcome back to Podcast 69 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers. Follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers. Use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply. If you'd like to support the odds breakers and benefit from our plays, please visit theoddsbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers to get the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit theoddsbreakers.com and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, do you think they're still hungover in Knoxville, Tennessee? What a crazy Fun game to watch. Best game of the weekend, Alabama versus Tennessee. And they took the goalposts, literally sending them down a river, at least part of them, at the end of this game. It was just so college football. It was so fun. It was cool seeing Tennessee good again, right? Um, Just a fantastic win for the program. Massive win for the program. And I got to tell you, I was very, very impressed with the way Hen and Hooker hung in there and was firing those perfect, perfect long passes this whole game. I mean, to be honest with you, Alabama controlled the whole game from a time of possession standpoint. You know, usually you win when you do that. You tire out the defense. Tennessee only had the ball for 22 minutes and 30 seconds. It was absolutely insane. The big play ability is the reason for Tennessee in that game. And there was a point where I thought that plus seven and a half was completely dead when Tennessee gave up the defensive touchdown to Alabama. It was absolutely insane. I thought it was kind of silly or crazy to see Jameer Gibbs being outrushed by Jalen Wright. Yeah, actually, more than Jalen Wright. Uh, Jabari Small, Hendon Hooker, and all three of those guys combined for like 180 yards, while Gibbs had 24 carries for 103 yards. Tennessee ran the ball, and that's part of the reason they were able to set up the pass so well for Hendon Hooker to hit guys like Jalen Hyatt, who had 207 yards. Tillman didn't even play this game. The officiating... Not so good. <laughs> I think people ignore that when you're in a shootout anyway, but there is times where they are throwing penalties and they shouldn't have been. And there's times that they are uh, not throwing penalties when they should have. <laughs> it was insane. There's a couple uh, ones against Bama that were wrong. A couple ones against Tennessee that were wrong. At least it kind of worked itself out. But at the end of the day, I still have Alabama a better team than Tennessee. It was a tough atmosphere, obviously afternoon slash getting into the night game, you know, and there's a home crowd advantage and a home field advantage for sure when it comes to uh, this situation. But Alabama hung in in this atmosphere and Bryce Young wasn't too bad himself. 455 yards, two TDs, no interceptions. Okay. I have Bama better because they have the better athletes. 
and they actually have the better defense, believe it or not, even though they got completely schooled by Hendon Hooker this game. But you have to understand that as the year goes on, the four- and five-star athletes gel together a little bit better, and that's why Alabama, in pretty much every single reputable power rating in the whole world, uh, is better than Tennessee. That's not saying that these two teams might prove differently later. I am rooting for Tennessee to be in the SEC championship game. I'm going to be rooting for them this whole year out because I'm sick of the same three. Georgia, Alabama, Clemson. I guess Ohio State's kind of in and out, but I would love to see Tennessee in the playoffs this year um, if you have to have two SEC teams in. I would love to see this rematch on a neutral field. So starting with that, it was a fantastic game. And so were a lot of other games. TCU versus Oklahoma State going into overtime. TCU had to come back to do that. And then you also had Oklahoma in the boat race versus Kansas. Kansas actually kind of kept up with them. (laughs) But I actually bet Kansas, and that was a bad bet on my part. And my worst bet might have been, if not TCU, it was Utah at home. I was right about Utah's home field advantage. As a matter of fact, the five that I said was probably way short. The amount of penalties that Utah was able to have that worked for them in crucial situation was absolutely insane. I thought USC was certainly the better team, and it was a bad bet on my part. I wish I would have bet the money line and won that, but that doesn't take anything away from the fact that I truly believe this home field advantage was well over five points for Utah being the discretion of the officials and the discrepancy of the amount of penalties that were called at the certain times. Not every penalty is treated equal, right? I mean, a penalty on the kickoff shows up in the stats, but who cares if you start 20 yards back if you have a great offense anyway? You know, penalty yards, 12 for 93 for USC and Utah's side was five for 42. There's just a bunch of targeting penalties, personal fouls, and things that I did not agree with. I think USC is the better team, and I'm thinking that Utah was fortunate to win based upon that massive home field advantage that they received. Because of that, USC is now on the outside looking in to make the college football playoffs. Very unfortunate for that. I didn't have that good of a weekend for college football. Four and eight. I also lost my most likely dog to win outright, which was a terrible play in Florida State. And I even like avoided a lot of trendy picks that were upset you know I avoided BYU I avoided Ole Miss that didn't cover I avoided Penn State even though I used them in the contest with the hook still lost that one had some good line value that lost (laughs) Kyle Hunter said throw it in the burning pile of good line value losses you know had the under in that game got completely toasted because of Penn State's bad defense. And just face it, Michigan is a complete team. Fantastic job for Michigan. Great job on offense. 
They're good on offense and defense. Makes them a very interesting team to me because a lot of the other teams are just really, really good on offense. We'll see how that all works itself out. But uh, that was one of them. NC State, I thought, should have put up a much better fight. Good line value in that one. Washington State just couldn't even show up against a backup quarterback in Oregon State. But overall, I mean, it was just a massive game for a massive weekend for huge games. Massive weekend for huge games, you know. And uh, most of them didn't disappoint from a neutral fan perspective. You know, fans like close games. Really wish I would have bet Kentucky. That was a good game against Mississippi State. Kentucky, Levis coming back. I thought he was much healthier than people gave him credit for. Mississippi State was another trendy side. One that I, one of my leans that unfortunately hit. I also leaned Iowa State. Just couldn't, didn't have the nuts to get there. They almost upset Texas outright, as you're going to see. I had Illinois at plus three and a half. That thing went all the way up to plus six and a half. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, even with a backup, Illinois' defense is that good, and they proved that good, shutting down Minnesota. Holy cow, is Illini fans pumped up this year, and they should be. Massive credit to Brett Bielema there. And then, of course, old James Madison finally getting the L at Georgia Southern. And uh, James Madison was on an absolute tear, and they finally come down to earth this week. The NFL side of things for me was much better. Minus the teasers, <laughs> I was uh, having a really good day. Teasers have been absolutely terrible this year. I mean, who didn't have Tampa in a nice teaser before it got to nine? And then all of a sudden, they lose outright. Survivor got their ass kicked. I got my ass kicked in one of the survivors that I had left. I thought I had one left, and I realized I played San Francisco in it instead of Philadelphia. I guess I changed it during the week and didn't even notice, but pretty bad for myself and Survivor and probably a heck of a lot of other people. But just watching Tampa Bay lose outright, after the fact, you're just like scratching your head, man, why did I not see this coming with Tom Brady and all the issues he has going to Robert Kraft's wedding two days before the game? Two freaking days before the game. Tom Brady's barely even present for the team. And he has the audacity to yell at them. To yell at his team on the sidelines after he doesn't even show up. I would freaking tell him to eat a dick after that shit, man. You don't even show up to practice. And you have a problem with the way I play the game. Absolutely unreal. I mean, my under in Tampa Bay season win total is certainly looking good. But man, this was a part where you thought that they would at least win the game. The Steelers were pretty much out everybody. It was their second and third strength playing. Even Kenny Pickett left the game for Mitch. And Mitch beat him. I mean, this is how ridiculous Tampa's been. Lately, as an ATS, you know, perspective, they come in and just beat the crap out of the Cowboys with that press dot, and then they just lay down like the Rams. Very similar. It's like <clears throat> they have a hangover too, yet you can't figure out why because they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. The problem with Tampa is 
they are still way better than you think, even though the numbers aren't really showing up. It's one of those things that's hard to quantify. When they start going later this season, there's going to be a point where to buy on them. But now it's like I can't fade them because I know how good they can be. But maybe Tom Brady is just not as good as he used to be because of all his personal problems. It, it throws another wrench in things for sure. But that was the biggest upset, obviously, in the NFL this weekend. But there's there tons of upsets that screwed up Survivor. You know? How about the Falcons beating the Niners? The Niners just were dinking, dunked the whole game, and they were not able to defend it. Lots of misdirection they had going through Arthur Smith to Marcus Mariota as quarterback. You think Kyle Shanahan's team would be able to sniff that out, you know? But that's really what it was. It was it was like watching the Titans beat a key team. Arthur Smith used to be the coordinator under Vrabel for the Titans. You know, it was absolutely embarrassing for the Niners. Jimmy G, two interceptions. He had two touchdowns. He didn't even do that bad. They couldn't run the ball. You know, Jeff Wilson, seven carries for 25 yards. You know, it's just that Atlanta jumped him and they kind of kept the pressure on. Making big third down plays. Huge third down plays. Curious what the team stats on that. Third down efficiency, nine for 14 for Atlanta. Right? Caused this massive upset this week. Also, another big upset was the Packers. That was one we were on, the Jets, thank goodness, when analytics are correct, you know? I mean, the big trend was Matt LaFleur is 10-1 whenever coming off a loss, ATS. 10-1. 10 wins, one loss coming off a loss, ATS-wise. Well, everyone was talking about this week, but what do you say about trends? You only, you only remember them when they're working for you. You know, there's, there's trends that make sense, but in this case, you could see something is legitimately wrong with the Packers and they don't have that good of receivers. The Jets are playing on pure energy and pure emotion. They love the taste of winning now. It's a different mindset coming in. You know, I was on the Jets. I had a little sprinkled on the money line and it worked out easy. That was a no sweat whatsoever. 27 to 10. Packers got dominated in the second half, too, at home. Absolutely unreal. All of a sudden, the Colts started playing again, which was something I was a little worried about. I used Jacksonville in a teaser, which would have worked had I not teased them with the Tampa Bay Bucks and the Niners. You know, I was on the Atlanta side, and I bought back a little bit for uh, the Niners because I just didn't trust it. But it, it, these teams are so hard to figure out sometimes because – I still don't think Atlanta's quite an average team, yet they're playing above that level. The Giants, even their fans, aren't believing in them, and they just beat the Ravens. But it took the fourth quarter where they outscored the Ravens 14-7. to You know? It's just kind of like doing it under pure emotion and great coaching. Dayball is definitely in the talks for coach of the year. Arthur Smith should be. 
He's not yet. He should be in the talks for coach of the year. It was Doug Peterson until Jacksonville's defense started crapping out on him a little bit. Jacksonville's still a much better team than people think, even though they're sitting at two and four. The good news for Jacksonville is this division's still somewhat open, although the Colts took a nice lead here, being three, two, and one. The Colts are going to have a tough game coming up against the Titans. So this coin flip I lost was the Panthers versus the Rams. I mean, Panthers were up 10 to 7 at the half, but you knew they were just completely fraudulent, and you're just looking at your plus 10 and a half. You're like, man, this thing could really lose. <laughs> you know, I mean, their only touchdown was based upon a lucky defensive turnover. They just looked completely awful on offense. The Rams just had to step it up finally a little bit. It's Chris Felica says the Carolina Panthers was a dog with fleas. Even though my analytics have the Panthers keeping this game pretty decent, three or four points, I think it was. The spread was 10 and a half. It went all the way down to the nines. They still couldn't do anything. This was the coach firing spot as well, you know. And then all of a sudden, Robbie Anderson gets kicked out of the game coach fighting with him and I was just like looking at myself like this thing is absolutely toast. Well the Rams scored easily in the fourth quarter and when the Panthers had a chance with Eason, Eason comes in because P.J. Walker got banged up throws just a very hard pass, a little bit of pass interference there in the end zone and uh, <laughs> not called of course and then the interception happens and you know you're toast. You know your toast. I, I didn't think they were scoring a touchdown to cover my spread anyway. I I knew my ticket was absolutely burnt. And then at night, the uh, Cowboys-Eagles, same deal. Cowboys just needed a field goal to cover the six and a half. Couldn't even get that done for us. You know, missed the field goal. It was a long field goal, don't get me wrong. And this is why Cooper Rush is never going to be a starting quarterback. It's just that it was first and ten on the 41, second and 10 on the 41, third and 10 on the 41, fourth and 10. Missed every single pass, you know. You got to get that first down. Give your guy a chance. Well, in hindsight, I don't make him kick a 59-yard field goal on the road, McCarthy. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to get a pass interference call or something. Get a little bit closer. Then decide if you're going to go for the touchdown or the field goal just to onside kick it again. But, Another situation where we lost coin flips. But I was happy to actually get out of the NFL close to even here with a couple plays pending tonight. The best game was definitely the Bills-Chiefs, even though the score doesn't show it. But it was like a full football game of great players. So I don't necessarily love the big shootouts. I kind of like seeing good plays on both sides of the ball. And this score was kind of perfect, 24-20. to A lot of people say this was a Bills revenge game, but... It's more of a game that try to get home field advantage in the AFC, in my opinion. The revenge happens in the playoffs. And maybe the Bills players were thinking revenge, but dude, you're not getting revenge for just winning a simple regular season game. It's not revenge. You know, they played really hard. Unfortunately, there's some really bad calls that I'm going to get to. Uh, The NFL has been full of them this year. Unfortunately, it's been more about the officials than the players in many of these games which has been very difficult. 
obvious trip on the Chiefs not called against Allen. Thought they were completely screwed then. And then uh, pass interference offensively on Kelsey on that big play that would have won the game for them pretty much. Got him to the 10-yard line. Scratching my head on that one. <laughs> you know, uh, don't need to sound like a broken record. We talk about that a lot. But these are the two best teams in my power ratings in my just NFL general rankings and probably most people's rankings uh, playing each other this week. So that's why it was such an awesome thing to watch. The most anticipated game actually of the whole week, obviously the Bills end up winning. We are on the Bills minus two and a half. That brings us to The good, the bad, and the ugly from the weekend. And the good, we always start out with definitely Tennessee beating Alabama. How awesome it was. College game day being there. Just an amazing atmosphere. Watching the kids celebrate. Bringing the goalposts to the river. That's just fun. It's what it's all about, man. Is it a little bit immature? Absolutely. But so what? You know, that was fun. A great win for Tennessee. And by the way, Alabama is still in it. If you're an Alabama fan, you have nothing to worry about. You're still one of the top two teams in my power ratings and probably most people's other in the nation. I've heard oddsmakers already say that you're a six and a half point uh, favorite if you're li- if you're uh, against Tennessee on a neutral field. So, I mean, that's good. If you're a Bama fan, you have no reason to hang your head, and now you're just going to get better. You know, so uh, great for them. Georgia Southern upsetting uh, James Madison was getting really worried there for FBS football, having an FCS team <laughs> come in and dominate the way James Madison was. But uh, Georgia Southern was able to get that done. And then uh, New York football is good. I mean, they got the Yankees tonight, which is two and two and facing an elimination game with the Cleveland Guardians. But now you actually have football with some teams that are really looking like they're going to make the playoffs. The Giants are 5-1. and one. The Jets are 4-2. and two. Fantastic for New York football. The bad. And uh, <laughs> where do we start? Nevada losing to Hawaii, right, in college football. How pathetic is that? Hawaii, one of the worst teams, and Nevada goes up there and absolutely loses to them. It's beyond me how the heck they beat Texas State that first game of the season, you know. But that's just college football. But that's bad, Nevada. Losing to Hawaii, very, very bad. Another thing that's bad is survivors. Oh, no! I think out of like 6,000-some entries, Circus Survivor is down to 300-some. Survivors getting their asses kicked all year long. Bad for survivors. I guess good for the people that are still in Survivor because you got over 90% of the uh, entries out. What else was bad was Utah's 15-point home field advantage against USC. I mean, I don't want to see that. I want to see it even. Let's face it. You can call a penalty on every single play. It was not even in this game. And also, what was bad was the tweets that I put out in the NFL. If you want to rewatch them, check out our Twitter at The Odds Breakers. 
I showed you the official staring at a face mask on Leonard Fournette and not calling the penalty. Fournette yelled at him. You know, it was just so obvious. Like you see it happen and he didn't call it. Same thing with the tripping penalty on uh, against Josh Allen that wasn't called. It was a third down. He trips Josh Allen with his leg. Looks guilty as hell when the camera goes to him. Official stared at it and didn't call. Both would have went against the home team. And the officials favored the home team and didn't call it. Well, how is that? How can you have any integrity when you see the penalty in front of your face, but you're influenced by the crowd or something to not call it? It's absolutely mind-blowing how poor it's been this year. And you also have to wonder why it's not being fixed. You know, how did it get this bad? Let's let the players decide the score of the game, please. And now for the ugly. I mean, where do I start? There's just so much of it this week. Cal losing and being outgained to to uh, Colorado is definitely ugly. Now, had they just lost the game and outgained Colorado, maybe it would just move to the bad. But no, they got outgained by a terrible team in Colorado. This was one of the ones I was scared of betting as a coach-fired angle, yet it came through not only against the spread, but on the money line. <laughs> All right. That was crazy. Uh, the Chicago Bears versus Washington. I'm sick of having to talk about Thursday night football being ugly, but it's not just that game. It's the whole Bears on the goal line. Absolutely the worst red zone offensive efficiency in the entire league. The Bears were terrible on the goal line, and there's a massive misleading score coming up for that. And the Bucks losing to the third string of the Pittsburgh Steelers, as I mentioned earlier, is certainly ugly this week. Great for Steeler fans, I guess, even though this is supposedly a rebuilding year, but for Tampa Bay fans and survivors, fucking bullshit! And finally, the Seahawks versus the Cardinals game of red zone crap and field goals was definitely ugly. I mean, a total of 50 and a half this weekend. It felt like I was watching the incompetence of like FIU playing UMass. You think it could go over, but it could also go way under just based upon terrible football. That's what you saw from the Cardinals. Terrible red zone football against one of the worst defenses in the league. And the thing in Seattle, too. They should have scored a lot more points than they did against the Cardinals. Absolutely terrible for fantasy football and absolutely terrible for over betters. You see, in this world, there's two kinds of people, my friend. Those with loaded guns and those who dig. You dig. Now it's time for some college football week seven misleading final scores. Iowa State outgained Texas five or 403 to 363, yet lost 24 to 21. A 2-0 turnover ratio cost them the game. James Madison outgained Georgia Southern 675 to 590, yet lost 45 to 38, a 4 to 1 
turnover ratio did them in. Florida State outgained Clemson 460 to 370, yet lost 34 to 28, a one to zero turnover ratio. And poor fourth down efficiency hurt the semis. Kind of like I said, poor red zone as well. You know, coming into this game, my biggest fear was the red zone. Spread did not come into fruition. Next is New Mexico outgaining New Mexico State 269 to 225, yet lost 21 to 9, a 1 to 0 turnover ratio and bad third down efficiency hurt the Lobos. And Washington State outgained Oregon State 368 to 344, yet lost 24 to 10. Equal turnovers and poor fourth down efficiency really hurt the Cougs in this game. Not a big slate of misleading final scores there. College football week eight betting spots. Uh, lots of big bye weeks this week, so there's not a ton of them. I mean, Georgia's on bye, Illinois's on bye, Kentucky's on bye, Michigan's on bye, NC State's on bye, USC and Utah both on byes. Letdown spots. Tennessee hosting Tennessee Martin after beating Alabama. Yuck. There's, there's going to be a line coming out in this game. It's going to be massive. Do you have the cojones to bet Tennessee Martin. LSU hosting Ole Miss after beating a bad Florida team is a letdown spot. TCU hosting Kansas State after beating Oklahoma State is possible. And Georgia Southern and Old Dominion both in letdown spots versus each other. So I don't even know what to do with that one. Get up spots. Alabama will want to crush Mississippi State. After last week, I guarantee that. Wisconsin better wake up versus Purdue after losing in overtime to Michigan State. Uh, Graham Mertz celebrated the game-tying touchdown in overtime like he just won the national championship, which was just completely immature from what I saw. And then, boom, they lose the very next series. Notre Dame hosting UNLV after losing outright to Stanford is a big get-up spot. How does Notre Dame lose to these bad teams like this? You know, Notre Dame, the only team to lose twice after being favored by over 16 points. There's really no look-ahead spots, being that there's so many buys and so many situations where the team lost that could look ahead past their next opponent to a different opponent the following week. All right, NFL Week 6 misleading final scores the bears outgained the commies 392 to 214 that's like 170 yards <laughs> they lost 12 to 7 a 2 to 0 turnover ratio in terrible red zone efficiency killed the bears the 49ers outgained the falcons 346 to 289 yet lost 28 to 14 a 3 to 0 turnover ratio and time of possession killed the niners the jets and packers Tied at 275 yards, but the Packers lost 27 to 10, a 1 to 0 turnover ratio, and just bad third down efficiency hurt the Packers. I think they only converted three or four of them. The Dolphins outgained the Vikings 458 to 156, yet lost 24 to 16, a 3 to 0 turnover ratio, and bad third down efficiency hurt the Dolphins. Bad red zone as well. They're kind of in that game, too. It wasn't like garbage time completely here the saints outgained the bengals 399 to 273 yet lost 30 to 26 they also won the turnover battle one to zero just too many field goals meaning bad red zone efficiency hurting the saints the ravens outgained the giants 406 to 238 yet lost 24 to 20 a two to one turnover ratio in crucial times killed them and also 10 penalties in that game 
the Cardinals outgained the Seahawks. 315 to 296, yet lost 19 to 9, a 2 to 1 turnover ratio and horrible red zone hurt the Cardinals. NFL, week seven betting spots, letdown spots. The Jets in one again, of course. We don't know, obviously, if they're going to let down. That's why these are always potential. Jets at the Broncos after beating the Packers outright. Giants at the Jaguars after beating the Ravens outright. Nevermore. The Falcons at the Bengals after beating the 49ers is possible. The Steelers at Miami for sure is one after beating Tampa Bay outright. And when I say is one, it's potential. It's never guaranteed the team's going to let down. Same with get-up spots. Packers at commies after losing to the Jets is a big get-up spot for the Packers. Cowboys hosting the Lions after getting Dak back most likely. And Miami hosting the Steelers after getting Tua back most likely. Look ahead spots. It's the Jets. They're looking past the Broncos to the Patriots potentially. And that would put them in a sandwich spot this week against the Broncos. All right, time for our free play that we're going to give out to you for college football week eight. And we're going to go to the SEC here. South Carolina is hosting Texas A&M. Now I'd say Texas A&M here is coming off the bye where they played Alabama, very close game, but you have to remember they lost Alabama 20 to 24 on Alabama's backup quarterback. We found out Alabama's defense isn't all that great yet kind of like it was last year. And now they're going to go face at South Carolina, who is also coming off the bye. South Carolina, quietly a decent team, 4-2. and two. Their only losses are at Arkansas and against number one, Georgia. They just beat Kentucky. I know it was without Will Levis, but they still scored 24-14 to 14 at Kentucky. Not too bad. And now Texas A&M, one of the worst offenses in the entire league is laying over three points on the road. That is absolutely crazy to me. I am taking South Carolina in this situation, plus the three and a half. I actually like them to win this game outright. Texas A&M's offensive efficiency, sorry, offensive EPA is 103rd in the nation. That is absolutely terrible. And to be honest with you, their defense is only 68th in the nation. Their EPA margin is 96th. Take South Carolina plus the three and a half. Make sure you sprinkle that money line. Sprinkle that shit. Now it's time for a little fantasy football with our guy, D-Nasty. Now it's time for a little fantasy football. We got our guy, D-Nasty, back from the Packer game last night. Oh, the Jets, Dave. I'm so sorry. I know. It's a tough loss. Still a good time, but it was a tough loss. A lot of upsets yesterday, though, too. So the Packers were the only ones getting beat that they shouldn't have been. Yeah, it did seem like a lot of upsets somehow. I don't know what the heck happened last week. Uh, Survivors just got absolutely freaking torched. <laughs> and, uh, no, totally. Name of the game, I guess. Less than 10%. Most survivors are available, even. It's crazy. Um, But, man, I want to ask you, were you there after the game where uh, Sauce Gardner came out in the cheese hat and started uh, patronizing the crowd a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did see that. It was actually kind of funny. Oh, man. That is, uh, I think he was just having a good time. I don't think he meant it. I think so, well. too. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, he has cheese hat on, so it's not like he was making fun of it, though. But that was uh, 
pretty cool experience to uh, be there. But the, I mean, the Jets. I mean, was there a lot of Jets fans there? There was yeah, there was quite a few actually. And then I talked to a lot of them after the game. Then too, when we were at some establishments after, and uh, yeah, they were all pretty cool actually. <laughs> establishments after you uh, look a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fine i'm kidding well thanks for me for coming on obviously we had a hiatus because i had to take a vacation in the middle of the season womp, womp, womp. but you know how it is we are back and there's some bye weeks aren't there dave there is some major buys this week there's you're gonna have a couple of the top running backs and then the top quarterback out this week with some of these buys that are coming through uh which i'll go over right now uh buffalo bills we got some major players in that game josh allen uh, that's the most major one, and Stefan Diggs. So you got one of the top five running backs, or top five quarterback, and a top five receiver. Uh, Devin Singletary, you might be sitting on him in some leagues as well. Uh, and then Los Angeles Rams, you got Matthew Stafford there, Cam Akers, who's not playing right now, uh, but you got Cooper Cup, who's a, a top three receiver right there. So another major buy. Uh, and then there's maybe Tyler Higby too, one of the top tight ends. Dawson Knox for the Bills too. Some people might be starting him now that he's back and healthy. Uh, so some major players there, a couple top tight ends too. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, you got Irv Smith, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, another top five wide out. So uh, not not a good week for the top fantasy players this week on buys. Uh, then we also have Philadelphia. We, we have Jalen Hurts, uh, Devontae Smith, uh, and we had and Sanders we had Brown, AJ Brown as well, and Michael Man. Sanders as well, yeah. So uh, some major players in that game too, so... Uh, a lot of buys that are going to hurt some teams this week. But we'll talk about who you can replace those with on the waiver wire coming up here shortly. Yeah, I can't believe it. I mean, the Bills, the Rams, the Vikings, the Eagles. First of all, you got the best receiver in the league, Cooper Cup, with the Rams. And, then obviously, and the second best in Jefferson. Yeah, and people start um, the Stafford still. You know, uh, People were starting Daryl Henderson a lot because Cam Akers went crazy. So there you go. Um, yeah, the Vikings, Delvin Cook and Cousins and, and Jefferson. Jesus, man. Uh, it's just crazy with the Bills and the Eagles there. It's like the best four teams in the league almost. Minus the Rams are bad right now, but the Vikings are doing well. So two of the best four at least. So that's interesting. Well, man, let's get right into key injuries here. And I just have five written down. Maybe you have more. I'm going to start with uh, Carson Wentz. Um, his team got upgraded due to his injury by breaking his finger. He's out four to six weeks, but I tell you, man, Heineke's probably better than him. <laughs> oh, Heineke, I think it is better than him. And with the weapons that they have now, I think Heineke could do pretty well. So I don't think Wentz gets his job back even when he comes back. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how Heineke plays the next couple weeks. Well, it's against the Packers and they're going to be pretty upset. So I find that interesting. I'd, I'd rather play against Wentz personally. I mean, the Bears outgained this team by 170 yards last week and still lost, but Man, is that Redskins commander's team bad? Uh, Marquise Brown hurt his foot. He might miss some time here with the Cardinals. And uh, they uh, made a trade for Robbie, Robbie Anderson. Anderson. There was a lot of fireworks in L.A. during that game, and uh, he got kicked right out of the game. Obviously, some pardoning shots on the way out. You could see a little bit on camera. And uh, um, it, it was interesting that he got traded today. I thought he might just get cut, but a team actually wanted him. So I'm like, okay. Yeah. He's over a sixth and a seventh round pick, though, so they didn't really give up much for him. He's not good. I, I'm, I'm not even thinking that it should be much of a fancy game. Plus, DeAndre Hopkins might be back this week from what I'm hearing. He is back. I think he is back. He was activated today, actually. Oh, that is huge for the Cardinals. Huge for fantasy owners, finally. Well, there you go. Uh, Randall Cobb, high ankle sprain. 
Not looking good for him for a while. You were at the game, probably witnessed it. Yes, uh, <laughs> Kenny Pickett had a concussion, and uh, Mitch Trubisky filled in. Did enough to beat the Bucks and ruin a bunch of survivors there. So there you go, including my own. And uh, tight end Cameron Brait had another concussion. And that, now that's his second here. I think he's going to be out a while, Dave. Uh, I'm a worried about Cameron Brait there. Uh, that's all I have. I don't have too many injuries unless you have some more. I just one I'm most of the same ones that you did. Skylar Thompson, who was starting for the Dolphins, uh, right thumb injury for him as well. Uh, Tua did announce that he will be starting this week. Uh, he is coming back. Uh, Dak also reported this week that he will be starting on Sunday as well. So uh, two injuries of note that are two quarterbacks that are coming back this week. So good news to report on the injury front for those two. Uh, they will both be starting on Sunday. Yeah, I can't. I mean, finally, I wanted to see Tua back too and Dak. Uh, football is better with better quarterbacks. So let's hope that uh, I'm excited that is. But the, the, a really good week for like no big running back injuries, you know. So I thought that was cool. Minus uh, Cam Akers going crazy. I, I wonder if he's even going to play again this year. It doesn't sound like he's on the good list here for uh, Sean McVay. No, and they're already saying they're going to seek a trade. And they said it's not, it's maybe possibly comes back to the team and plays again, but. Uh, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. Let's get to the waiver wire, Dave. Who do you have? Uh, one of my favorite ones is right topping off, Marcus Mariota. We keep running this guy off, but he keeps playing. He keeps balling. Uh, he, he had another good week this week, and he helped them help the Falcons beat the 49ers this week. Only 14% owned right now. Uh, and then D- Jimmy Garoppolo, too, who's actually been starting, 39% owned. So if either one of them, you need a back, uh, quarterback for the bye, uh, definitely look at one of them. Uh, Kenyon Drake for the Ravens. Uh, injury we did not discuss. J.K. Dobbins did bang up his knee. He had some knee issues mid-game. Uh, did have to sit. Uh, Drake took over, took advantage. 10 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. So uh, Kenyon Drake, if Dobbins does in this time. Uh, he was amazing this week. Yes, for once. Yeah, Kenyon Drake's <laughs> let us many times. But uh, he did have a good game this past game. But Gus Edwards is coming back, though. Only 14% owned. So he might be the guy you really want, though, because I think he's going to be taking over that back backfield if Dobbins is injured and he is activated. Uh, so then uh, Mike Boone and Latavius Murray, uh, only 40 and 40, 40% and 14% owned. Uh, but most people probably picked them up previous week. So the guy I want to talk about, Deion Jackson. Uh, he did get banged up this past week. Uh, he did have himself a day, though. Uh, 42 yards rushing, a score in 12 carries. And he had 10 catches on 10 targets for 79 yards. Pretty sure I, uh, I played him against you this week, Dave. I know. I had him in one of my leagues <laughs> and I benched him. So that's kind of like kicking myself for that. But did leave with a quad injury. Uh, but if he does play and Taylor is out for another week, uh, definitely a guy you'd want to start this week. No, I played Drake against you. I, I played um, Deion Jackson in your league. So Oh, okay. Yeah. I still yeah. won in my league anyways, though, so. Yeah. I, I dominated my league. so That's good. Uh, but then Kyren Williams is a nice sleeper. Only 8% owned uh, with the Cam Akers blow up and him possibly getting traded. Uh, Kyren Williams is a rookie they really liked at the beginning of the year. Uh, Three-down stud at Notre Dame last season. Uh, Fifth-round pick this year. Uh, they really like this guy. Uh, he just came off. The, he's going to be coming off the IR. and He, he could possibly he could get some carries and even uh, start possibly. So uh, Flyer you might want to take on the waiver wire if you need some. And then Dual Robinson. Had himself a nice day. He played limited snaps, but he's only going to keep playing more. They're going to they try to get him the ball every time he was on the field. Nice. I have a few. 
And I put Robbie Anderson there, but it's very speculative. I'm not. I don't think he does a lot. Marquise Brown's probably not too bad. He might miss a few weeks, but they said maybe six weeks now is what they're saying. Okay. Well, Wandale Robinson is. Did you say Wandale Robinson? I know you said Robinson. Um, Wandale, yeah, they you know, say yeah, him. Wandale. Okay, yeah, he's a good look for sure this week for the Giants. They're doing really well, and t- Tony's been hurt a lot. Uh, tight end Hunter Henry's in a lot of leagues available. Seven targets and a touchdown last week. Uh, Paris Candle finally comes out of nowhere and gets his first touchdown, maybe of his career. And he actually had 11 <laughs> targets this week. What's up, Colts? They're kind of all over the place. I'm confused by, by the uh, Colts offense right now. It's just been so weird and so tough this year. Um, Kenyon Drake, what like you said, massive this week, just massive. And I wonder if he's going to be a split time with Dobbins, if not more. He's he looked better. I mean, he was just shucking and jiving out there, man. I was really impressed by Kenyon Drake. Uh, Tyler Heine, Taylor Heineke for the Wentz injuries, obvious. I, I you could say Mitch. I I wouldn't pick up Mitch unless you're desperate. Um, maybe you, you were starting Kenny Pickett. Maybe it's a two quarterback league. But Mitch, you'd have to pick up if it's two quarterback league. But if not, I'm not big on him. What I do like, no. it, what I did like was Tyquan Thornton, the rookie, for. Oh, that's a good pickup. Yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, he's finally healthy, and he had a touchdown this week, five targets. So I'm pretty uh, impressed with what Tyquan Thornton did this week as well. So that's what I have for the waivers, Dave. Um, and then also Alex Pierce, too, is another one to throw in there, too. He had himself a nice game this week as well. Uh, rookie for the Colts. Uh, Matt Ryan was going his way quite a bit this week. If the, if the Colts can keep up with their hot offense and not play like they did the week before or the last couple weeks, uh, they can keep this up. That He can be a very valuable wide receiver down the road, too. There you go. Let's go to my non-starters trending up for week seven. I'll start with uh, Romeo Dobbs. I think with Cobb out. He's just going to be huge for against a terrible Washington team. So I like a pissed off Rodgers throwing to Dobbs. Um, tight end Robert Tanya, you might as well throw in there. He's really a non-starter, but I think he's going to be big against the commanders as well. Uh, tight end OJ Howard. I like him against the Raiders this week, you know, for uh, the Texans. You know, the Texans are kind of sneaky. I would say I, I definitely not good, but you know they can hang in there a little bit. And the Raiders are third worst against tight ends, allowing points to tight ends in fantasy. Wide receiver T. Higgins is due for a big game versus Atlanta. I like T. Higgins this week. You know uh, Chase had his week last week. I think Higgins is big this week. Uh, wide receiver Jalen Waddle versus the Steelers is going to be huge. You know maybe you're starting Waddle, maybe not. He was more of a flex guy, but. Um, I think most people were probably not starting him, so I, I had to throw him on the non-starters training up. Uh, tight end Mike Gusecki had a ma- monster week last week. He's actually available on some waivers, but we've pounded Gusecki to death on our waiver wire the last two years, so yeah. I'm sick of saying it. But uh, he, he's a good start versus a bad Steelers team, too. And Raheem, might as well throw Raheem Mostert in there, too, the Steelers. Uh, very fraudulent against a, a struggling Tampa team with hungover Tom Brady there. Um What's the next one? I got uh, Kenneth Walker. Holy cow, was he good last week. And he's playing the Chargers. Chargers have a very bad run D. Now, unfortunately, watching this Monday Night Football game, Nathaniel Hackett's too stupid to know this, but uh, you should run the ball versus the Chargers. You're going to get lots of (laughs) yards. Uh, Running back that killed me and that might beat me 
if me and your game's really tight right now is Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he was massive, and he's the main guy for the Patriots now. He is the guy that you want to own, and he's playing the Bears. He's going to have a fantastic week as a non-starter trending up. And Brian Robinson versus that weak Packer D, baby. Oh, man, it feels good to say that, Dave. I, I like. Yeah, defense is supposed to be good, but they're not. They're not. They can't stop. I, I do them. agree with you on that one. Yeah, Ramondre, uh, Brian Robinson. Plus, you know, after the story with his leg getting shot and everything and robbed, and he's back, and I, I almost think he's kind of taking away the role now from Gibson. So I like Brian Robinson here on out. Dave, who you got for the non-starters trending up? Uh, well, I do like Thornton for the Patriots as well. as Like you were, we were talking about before, he's one of my trending players up. Uh, Stevenson as well for the Patriots. So I, I do agree with you on that one. I'm very high on him as well. Got him in quite a few leagues. So hopefully I beat you with him this week. Uh, I do like I do like Tua coming back from injury, playing against the Steelers. Uh, they haven't been looking good in defense. I like Tua this week uh, playing them. I do like Kenny Walker the third as well against the Chargers. Like you said, they should be running the ball against them all day. Uh, I like I like the Raiders this week. I like Derek Carr against the Texans. I like him as a starter this week. Uh, probably you're not usually starting him. Uh, I do like him as trending up this week. Uh, I do like Brees Hall against the Broncos. Uh, he's been splitting carries, but now he's taking over that backfield. But Brees Hall, I've been starting to call my fantasy leagues this past couple weeks, and he's been huge for me. Uh, I hate to say this, but he shredded the Packers this past week as well. Uh, he's the real deal. I, he, he definitely was worth the number one pick in your dynasty league. So, proving it right now. Uh, I look for Aaron Jones to bounce back, but he's not a trending up guy. But I do like Brian Robinson as well. Uh, he did have a touchdown and over 17 carries this past week. Uh, only compared to like five or six carries for Gibson. So he's definitely taken over that backfield. Uh, I like Deion Jackson if Taylor is out again this week. If so, we'll keep, keep an eye on that. Trevor Lawrence has been playing well the last couple weeks. I do like him against the Giants' defense. Uh, I do like Dewall Robinson as well against the Jaguars. So that's another guy we talked about before. I like him too as well. Uh, and I do like Algier against the Bengals' defense. Bengals haven't been playing really well either. I like him at running back. Falcons have been running the ball quite a bit this year as well. Uh, so those are some of the other guys I like trending up. Yep, there you go. Nope, I like those as well. So... Those are non-starters trending up for week seven to win your fantasy week. Who are your bust, Dave? All right. Well, any running back that's playing the Saints, so uh, those Cardinals, uh, Don Gray and all those running backs, none of them have looked well. I think Connor's going to be out for a little bit longer now. Uh, none of the Cardinals running backs impressed me, so I'm Don Gray and the running back for the Cardinals, depending on who's playing and starting. Uh, downgrading the running backs for the Ravens as well. Cleveland doesn't have that great of a defense, but there's just a shambles right now at the Ravens. They've lost like three straight now. So uh, that backfield's a little bit of a mess. So I'm downgrading Dobbins this week and Edwards uh, if he plays and Drake. So uh, I don't like them against the Cleveland this week, That especially with Lamar taking a lot of those carries away from them as well. So I get them tra- trending down a little bit. Uh, I got CMC trending down a little bit against tough Tampa D. Uh, they got to come back and win here, too. They, they took a bad loss this past week to Atlanta. So uh, I'm still starting to see MC, but he's just trending down a little bit because he's playing a tougher defense this week. So uh, he might not have his regular 100-yard game, five, six catches. So, uh, But he'll still get you what he needs to get for you. Uh, and then I do like the Lions coming off a bye. Uh, I like Jared Goff against the Cowboys. So, uh, But I do not like... The running backs this week against the tough Dallas D-line. Their D-line has been looking awesome. Lawrence, uh, Armstrong, Parsons, 
Uh, the defense is looking good for the Cowboys, so I'm not liking Jamal Williams this week or Swift if he's back against the tough Cowboys D. Uh, I do not do not like I'm, I, Brian Robinson. I think we said he was trending up. I do not like Heineke against the Packers D. Uh, I think they get a little pressure on him and, and confuse him a little bit get, and think they uh, end up winning that game, but it's going to be a little tough for him to do that. Uh, and then I don't like anybody on Washington that much, let's be fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone. Great in the Heineke and that receiving core. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really like them this week against them. And then I'm actually downgrading the Chiefs running backs against Frisco. I think Frisco pounces is back on defense this week. And I, and I don't like Clyde Edwards Hilaire or McKinnon against the 49ers tough D. What I will say is 49ers secondary is so banged up right now. It's not a terrible look to just uh, um, bet, start start some of those no names. I guess. For the Chiefs, you know, uh, so their second string receivers. I mean, Hardwell, Hardwell is, is one of them, obviously. That's maybe people start him already. Juju Smith Schuster, probably, right? You want to yeah, start those, Yeah, you got to start those guys against a really banged up Niners secondary. They've got guys off their practice squad coming in and stuff. All right, my busts are like Garrett Wilson versus the Broncos. I think the Broncos, you know, still really good D. Russell Wilson's uh, like a box of chocolates, so you don't know what you're going to get. But uh, their D always shows up, so I like that. Watching this game, I mean, they're it's in the fourth quarter here. They held the Chargers at home to uh, 13, 13 points so yeah. far. So they're looking Yeah, it's just that they can't score ever. Um, running back, I agree with James Conner and everybody on the, you know, Benjamin, uh, Daryl Williams, if he's healthy. None of those are going to be that good against the Saints. Uh, running back DeAndre Swift will bust versus the Cowboys, so I agree with that. Um, and Jamal Williams. So I had those guys. Marcus Mariota might bust against the Bengals, I must say. Uh, you know, I understand owning him. It's just kind of a weird spot after a big win against San Fran on the road now, finally. And um, it, it seems a little tough to me. So uh, CMC, I, I put him as a bust, man. Uh, the Buccaneers have to be pissed here. And uh, man, yeah, I agree. They just had, we don't know who's starting at quarterback. That always hurts. You know, they're going to spy McCaffrey. I mean, that's really their only weapon, him and Davis. And, man, just owning anybody on the Panthers must be very frustrating right now. Uh, Nick Chubb is going to have it rough against the Ravens. I don't know if you can not start him. But Kareem Hunt, you can probably not start. You know, um, I wouldn't say Kareem Hunt. He's probably a bust. So those are my busts, Dave. Um, Do you agree with all those? I do, yeah. I like the Hunt one. I was actually looking at Chubb before, but I was like, I couldn't really downgrade Hunt and Chubb because he's having such a great year. But I do like the Hunt one. When you said Hunt, that really, I agree with that 100. percent All right, sounds good. Nasty sleeper time, Dave, and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how you're going to hate on my Chicago Bears. <laughs> All right, the nasty sleeper of the week this week, Romeo Dobbs. Uh, I need to. Been good for me this week, so I need to look for Dobbs to have a big day. Cobb's out. Uh, Rogers has got to lean on him a little bit more now. I think Dobbs has a huge week, and he could be a fantasy winner for you with those top receivers out this week. Come by. I agree with you because I had him as my trending up, so big time for Dobbs. I'm on his corner. I almost picked him too, and I you I thought about Ramondre Stevenson, but I think it's too obvious. You know that the Harris is out. He's a starter now, so I can't really use him as a nasty sleeper. But Kenneth Walker. Is my like nasty Penny. sleeper. Yeah. He is, and Penny's out, and 
you know, people probably have three or four running backs, and one of them is Kenneth Walker, and they wonder if they should start him. Yeah, he's a starter against the Chargers this week, so he's my nasty sleeper. I think uh, he's going to be fantastic. Um, and the Seahawks just have an offense. They have a terrible defense, so they're always in the game, and Walker was a stud last week. Uh, couldn't get tackled, really, so really liking Walker and what he's doing. All right, Dave, anything else we missed? No, just make sure you get those guys that are on by out of your lineups. Uh, try and pick up guys to fill in. Some of the guys that we talked about tonight, get those guys in your lineups to uh, fill in for those buys. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for Dave or I, please tweet us at the Ozbreakers. Have a great rest of your week, and go get some winners.